All of our Christian faith and life is stewardship, or better, management of God's money and varied gifts. This management of God's gifts describes how we believe and live as God's created, redeemed, and sanctified children in all of life. In this second Bible study, we discuss managing God's gift of other people. God created us to live in relationships and in community. Since sin entered the world, however, this has become a burden. This is why God calls us to love and serve one another and bear one another's burdens in our vocations at home, at church, at work, and in the public square. We pray. Heavenly Father, grant your mercy and grace to us, your people, in our many and various callings. Give us patience and strengthen us in our Christian vocation of witness to the world and of service to our neighbor in Christ's name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, by way of introduction, um, there's a, a paragraph here, uh, a, uh, a, 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 I don't know, I think he's probably retired now, but he's still making his rounds, Dr. Gene Edward Veith. He's, he's written a number of books, or written? Written? He's written a number of books, and one of them is called Spirituality of the Cross. It's just over like a hundred and some pages, but, and it, it, it's kind of deep, but he gives kind of a survey of Lutheran theology, which is really cool. And then he's got a, a section at the end about the early Christians as well, and their worship as well, which, again, is, uh, is quite noteworthy. But he also wrote a book on um, God's call and vocation. I can't remember if that's the exact title. Um, but he's, he's, he's done some work in this area. And in a section of uh, Spirituality of the Cross, and I'm not sure if we have a copy in the library or not. I have at least one, if not a couple uh, copies. But it's, it's, it's quite valuable. And uh, there's a quote here I'd like to read, or actually a few. Um, the first is at the very top under the introduction, in the doctrine of vocation, and notice that's an O, not an A, for vocation, not vacation. <laughs> Spirituality is brought down to earth to transfigure our practical everyday life. God is gracious at work, caring for the human race through the work of other human beings. And this is, uh, you know, I, I, I've mentioned... That uh, you know that many put a lot of uh, a, a lot of emphasis and stock in knowing God's purpose in order for God, in order for one to know that they're being that they're serving God, right? So in other words, you know what what we'll find in the evangelical areas of Christianity and and perhaps even in the in the in, in Catholicism too to some degree um, is kind of this idea you have to know your purpose in life for God to actually use you. Now, let me say that again. You have to know your purpose in life for God to actually use you. Who does that put in the driver's seat, though? <laughs> you, right? Um, as if we know more than God. I don't think that's the intention, but just the wordage that they use, um, you know, kind of indicates that that's what's going on. Um, but I, I think we had this text last week in, um, in Isaiah if I'm not mistaken, and that's uh, with reference to King Cyrus. Does anyone recall that? I, and I, I forget, it's from Isaiah something, but I can't remember the exact passage. Um, but uh, there God calls Cyrus his anointed one. 
the word that is actually used is Messiah. And we've heard that before, right? So uh, just for clarification, Messiah is the Hebrew form for anointed one. The Greek form for anointed one is Christos, Christ. Okay. Um, now, what's really intriguing about, uh, about Cyrus is that King Cyrus of Persia was the one who uh, pretty much allowed the people in exile to go back to Jerusalem to work on the temple. Um, and, you know, there's, there's other accounts, too, of those whom God used, even, even Pharaoh, um, the, 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 the particular Pharaoh that would not let God's people go. You know, there's reference in, I think it's Romans 9, um, to, to how God raised Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's heart, of course, was hard, but God also hardened it, hardened it to demonstrate mercy to his people. You know, um, so it's not for us to decide on whom God shows mercy, but whom God shows mercy. In other words, he's the one that decides. And, uh, you know, this, this concept, this um, idea, this teaching of vocation has to do just with that. You know, we ask the question, well, how does God work in the world? And we started talking about this a little bit last week with reference to how do we get food on the table? Well, we just go to the grocery store, right? Okay, so just by way of review. Well, there's an entire process that uh, some of you might know uh, more explicitly than I do in terms of how the food actually gets to the grocery store. Or you go to the restaurant, the restaurant doesn't grow the food. You know that, right? Or Walmart? <laughs> Maybe Frank can tell us a little bit about the, the headaches with that, right? They, they don't, they're not supposed to grow the food. Okay, <laughs> okay. But yeah, there's an entire process, and, and, and I'm, I'm guessing Frank would probably know a little bit about that um, process in, in terms of how food gets from point A to Walmart, right? But even before that, right, I mean, there's a whole line of, of things that, that go on. This is what we're talking about with reference to vocation. Um, I think last week we also looked a little bit at Genesis, um, where God created plants and trees to produce fruit after their own kind, right? So an apple tree bears apples, an orange tree has oranges, strawberries, strawberries, and so on and so forth. Um, but that entire process, of course, is God's doing, um, you know, and, and, you know, I'm assuming that there's quite a few farmers out there that are not believers, but I'm also assuming that there are at least a few farmers that are believers because you cannot... You know, like the Farmer's Almanac, you've probably heard of that, right? Uh, there, there may be some truth to some of that, but still, it's, it's in God's hands. In some years, there will be good crops, and other years, there will be not-so-good crops, right? Um, you know, sometimes, you know, there will be plenty, and sometimes there will be uh, less. Um, and yet, God works as he will. And the doctrine of vocation, you know, kind of, um, you know, highlights how God works, even through those who don't recognize that God is working. Um, Luther actually used this term uh, called masks of God. Have you heard that before, masks of God? And I, I guess maybe I shouldn't use that term because Halloween is coming up, right? And then we're, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, so we wear masks. Um, but, but kind of the idea is, you know, God is hiding, or I shouldn't say hiding, but God is behind the work of others serving in their community. 
That's not to say they're God, okay? But God is working. So when you go to the doctor, um, you know, he pricks and he pokes and he diagnoses um, and, and, and the like, um, but he's actually doing uh, the Lord's work of helping and caring for others, even if he does not realize that. You know, um, and, and with reference to this too, a, a thought came to mind. You know, we might like to have a Christian doctor, but a doctor does not have to be Christian in order to treat us, right? Um, I, I've, I've said at, at, at various times I'd rather have a non-Christian doctor that actually knows what he's doing than a Christian doctor who knows nothing about what he's doing. Could we say the same thing about a president, maybe? Or those in other positions, you know, who, you know, like, you know, at the university... And I don't mean just at Eastern, but uh, various other places, or any, any teacher, any instructor, I would rather have a non-Christian that is objective than a Christian who is not objective and, and demands you know, their own way, you know, in terms of the material and so on and so forth. Um, but I have some probably different ideas than others do, maybe about education, uh, to some degree, anyway. But uh, getting back on track... Um, God is graciously at work caring for the human race through the work of other human beings. So how does God keep peace in the world? Through others. Yeah, through others. Yeah. I mean, so, so we think of the executive branch of the government, right? At least here in America, right? Um, you know, and, and that's why, um, you know, in, in the past, I, I guess several months ago with, you know, and I, I guess it's still going on to some degree, um, but with the writing, the protesting, you know, that is, that is an affront to God, you know, because Paul tells us in Romans 13 to be obedient to the governing authorities. But what happens if the governing authorities don't use their authority? You know, yeah, that's what we get. But, you know, oftentimes the response in the, in, I mean, history will show us this, that oftentimes then there's rebellion, revolt, civil war, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but for the Christian, the reaction is very different because we recognize God is working through these things. We also recognize that if, uh, if one does not fulfill their responsibility, it's not on us to change things. That's what's so hard as a Christian, I think. Waiting on the Lord. You know, so Isaiah says, be still and know that I am God. What does that mean when all else doesn't seem to be going at all like they should be going? Or the judge is, uh, is, is uh, making an, an erroneous um, verdict, for example. Or the police don't do what they ought to be doing or misuse their authority. You know, or a teacher or a parent. Or, you know, is, you know, and vocation teaches us that too. It's not on us to change things where it's their responsibility. But even as I say that, of course... You know, in, in, especially in our society, if we don't like how things are going in the state or in the federal government, we have options, right? But not in the sense of civil disobedience, right? Um, and, and vocation is, teaches us this too. So, you know, if, so if a pastor, for example, and I, I could say that because I am one, um, but if a pastor is not doing his job, that does not mean that it's up to you then to do his job, Right? You know, and that's nothing to say anything about the office of the pastor. It's to say something about the person filling that office. It's his responsibility. Um, and that's the sad thing, and that's, that's also hard, too, because we, we are experiencing that. Uh, I think right now there's something about an election coming up. 
um, a lot of um, uncertainty, right, in terms of how things will go. Um, but it's not for us to decide. Um, and you've heard this before, and, and, and uh, I'll have to unpack this, but sometimes people get what they deserve. Right. Um, if somebody is silent, and you've heard this argument before, but just in terms of voting, or you know, uh, in the church, I, I think to a large degree, you know, this has been in the past that there has been a lot of silence from the church. Um, I, I just came across something the other day, um, which 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 really struck me, um, and and maybe some of you can, uh, maybe some of you know more about this, but I I heard recently that. Um, there was some kind of documentary um, with uh, quotes from the current Pope, Pope Francis, who is endorsing civil unions of homosexuals. Yep. 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 Okay, all right. Does there any need to be any more that, that should be said about that? I. But, he, but he's got a lot of people in the church, in his church, who don't agree with what he's doing and they're not quiet. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah, but but you know, if you you know, I I think we see that with politicians too a little bit. You know, they'll say something and then they'll backtrack, but then why did they say it in the first place? Yeah, you know, and and is it to see, you know, whether or not the um yeah, you know where where people are on this, but but there are going to be those in favor, you know, and and those who are opposed. Um, but uh, you know, you know, some of what what I find interesting, I the the article I was reading about this, you know, um, actually was, uh, and we we had some some clips of him a while back, uh, but from Franklin Graham. You know Franklin Graham, but uh, apparently in this article he was, you know, there was made ref or references made to what he, how he had responded, and he was calling for repentance and, you know, all that stuff, and uh, and rightly so. But but I also thought about well, okay, in 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 among the Catholics, what do they see as scripture as definitive for them? It's not the scripture. It's the Pope and what the church has said in the past and what the church determines today. And how is the Pope chosen? Yeah. By divine election. No, I'm just kidding. By election in divine Texas. But yeah, you know, you have the cardinals, right, that, that gather together. And, um, you know, we, do, we don't see that because they don't show it. Um, but... You know, people being people, and even priests being people, I would imagine that there's you know some amount of um, manipulation going on. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Even even in the church, um, which uh, by the way, um, you know, I I, I do want to say as well that uh, Luther. Um, that's the second time I've referenced Luther on this observation of Reformation Sunday. But he, he, uh, he, I don't want to use the word felt because I think it's, it's quite misunderstood, it's, it's overused today. Um, but he, uh, he was inclined to do what he did because he was moved by 
his understanding of his responsibility as a doctor in the church to note out, uh, to call out error, and to speak the truth. Okay, um, and uh, you know, remember he was, you know, before he became a doctor of the church, before he began teaching, he was quiet. Of course, there were other factors involved too. He had not studied the scriptures as thoroughly as he did as when he was teaching them. Uh, but he, he, uh, you know, he believed that it was his duty to call out error, regardless of who that error was from. You know, and remember initially too, with reference to the Reformation and his vocation as doctor of the church, you know, he did not start out by condemning the Pope. If you read his writings or you hear about his writings, he was very, um, how should I say, uh, you know, he was very gentle. He, gentle. You know, he, he was saying things like if the Pope knew what was going on, he would immediately call for change. You know, so, uh, you know, just by, by way of history lane, if you recall, it was uh, around 1517 when John Tetzel was across the river preaching about indulgences. You know, and uh, in his preaching about indulgences, he basically said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, give money and you will release the souls of purga from purgatory, you know, of your loved ones. And people believe that. And, and not only the souls of others, but if you pay enough, you can release your own souls, you know, from the possibility of purgatory. Um, you know, it's almost like a once, saved, once paid, always saved kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and, and Luther... Um, was getting wind of this because some of his parishioners, there, there's, uh, you know, some Luther films out there, which yeah. this is a great time, by the way, um, you know, to, to, to review those. Um, and not only the colored version or the technicolor, but the black and white, too. You know, the, um, and if it wasn't for COVID, maybe we could do, you know, I guess we still could. Um, but, but they're worthwhile watching. And, and uh, you know, one, you know, one I recall, you know, was Luther really uh, hooting and hollering um, theological terms because one of his parishioners, and I think it was the older one, he was kind of drunk, um, and he was, I, I don't know, some of you might remember this, but he, he was the one with the beard. He was kind of leaning against the wall, and he had alcohol, and he was drinking, and Luther says, what are you doing? And and something to that effect, and the guy says, you know, look, I've got, you know, he, he He's got his indulgence, so it, everything is okay, you know, kind of thing. And that kind of ticked Luther off. Um, but he, it ticked Luther off not because um, people were uh, thinking that they could do whatever, but because there was no faith in Christ, that they're placing their confidence in this thing called an indulgence was simply paper and has no foundation whatsoever in Scripture. So this really got under Luther's skin. And, and so he was not only, remember, a doctor of the church at Wittenberg, uh, but he was also a pastor. And as a pastor, his parishioners were being led away, led astray, you know, by the teaching of John Tetzel. Uh, so he calls them out on it. And that, that kind of prompted him, you might say, in part anyway, you know, to write the 95 statements, the 95 theses. You know, um, and the very first one is... Uh, you know, when, when the Lord Jesus says repent, he does not mean do penance. He means repent. 
Now, um, and uh, you know, other uh, you know the the other ninety five statements um, basically collectively are a question of the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, especially with reference to repentance and salvation. He didn't have it all figured out yet, but he was starting to see discrepancies, inconsistencies between what the church was then teaching and what the Bible actually does teach concerning salvation. So, you know, concerning his vocation, yeah, he he uh, he was moved to speak up. And notice, um, you know, um, ongoing in this uh, in this introductory paragraph, um, our neighbors need us, and maybe I should say we need one another. Um, you know, there's a reference in uh, 1 Corinthians about how we are members of one body. You know, and uh, you know, if, if the hand was, or if the body was just a hand, it couldn't move. I'm paraphrasing too. Uh, if the body was a foot, just a foot, it could not grasp. If it was just a nose, it couldn't see. You know, and so on and so forth. We need one another. Our neighbors need us, and we need our neighbors. That that includes not only Christian neighbors, but non-Christian neighbors too. Um, this is also part of managing God's gifts to us. God's gift of other people as we practice our stewardship among other people in our vocations at home, at church, at work, and in the public square. The purpose of one's vocation, whatever it might be, is serving others. So, um, you know, this is something, too, that, you know, I I think it would be really difficult if we were Catholics to talk about this, and that is the Pope was pretty much serving himself, oftentimes, you know, and so... Um, and part of, you know, another part of the background um, to the false theology of indulgences was, guess what? Starts with an M, or you could say G, money, greed. Because the current pope had overspent his treasury because he lived in luxury. One today. No, uh, the, in, in Luther's day. And a previous Luther, or previous, not previous Luthers, previous popes as well. Um, they, they were misusing, mismanaging their funds, their money. And also, they, you know, St. Peter's Basilica, which is still around, by the way. Um, but uh, the, the pope had hired, I think it was, was it uh, Michelangelo? Michelangelo, who's the other guy? Um, um, Rufus? Galileo? What's that? Galileo. Galileo. I, I don't know if he was, I w- he wasn't at that time. Sculptor. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I mean, beautifully ornate, and that costs money. Rodent, It could be. Yeah. And you had a comment too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the Catholics don't have different like denominations based on their um, beliefs. I mean, almost every church group has done that. Right. Has split apart. Okay. So, with reference to Catholicism, what I find interesting is the fact that they claim to be united. They claim to be united, but they're not. I mean, so you might not have official denominations. So like, um, I think it was uh, around 2010 when there was a, a, you know, a group uh, from within ELCA that broke off and started their own complete synod, okay? and, uh, you know, it's, it's basically referred to as NALC for short. The North American Lutheran Church. Okay? Not ELCA. Uh, not ELCA heavy. I say ELCA light. 
because the NALC still ordains women into the ministry. And I believe they still op- practice open communion. ELCA does too. What, what was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, um, you know, was the, uh, the 2010, I believe it was then, the 2010 acceptance of the ELCA in convention for the ordination of homosexuals. The NALC could not take that, or the group within. So they started their own, um, and yet I, I am aware that um, there was reference made at one of their meetings by an LCMS pastor. What about the LCMS? Have you considered them? And the comment was, no, we, we are not considering LCMS. So in other words, starting your own, uh, starting their own synod, you know, um, which, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could speak... Uh, you know, you could speak in favor of it a little bit in the sense that, well, they're not ELCA, but still the seeds of ELCA, I think, are still there. So, again, it's just a matter, you know, wait 20 to 30 years, where are they going to be? Because, uh, you know, Jesus, our Lord, says, I think it's in Matthew 7, you know, he who hears my word and does it is like a man who builds his house on the rock. If you change the foundation of the word, what's going to happen? You're not built on the rock anymore. You're built on the sand. And with Roman Catholicism, I think that's the deception. Um, you know, because when you speak with Catholics, you know, is, is the Catholic Church divided? They'll probably say, no. no, we're one church. But then if they're one church, then why do they have so many different views and positions? You know, um, and, and this too, like with reference to ELCA, what is really quite intriguing to me um, and you can understand from the theology, um, ELCA basically says, if you believe in creation, that's great. If you believe in evolution, that's great too. I mean, it's almost as if saying, you know, really, the Bible doesn't really matter. What matters is whether you agree to disagree. You've heard that phrase before, right? Right. So if you hold this position on the right or if you hold it on the left, that's okay because we're one church body and you're members of that church, which is very conflict. This is not a word, conflictatory. Mm-hmm. Very conflicted. How can you have one without the other? I, I can't imagine a pastoral conference, <laughs> you know, where you have, you have a group that, are, that, are, that, are, that, that you know, hold to the, the, the Bible as God's word and then you have a group that says the Bible is not God's word. How, how do you discuss scripture that way? Question. Question. Comment. Where the NALC would be, where did they get their pastors? Where are they trained? Mm-hmm. If they are trained in the ELCA seminaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I think... Since the transition, the formation of the synod, I would assume that, that most of the pastors were, in fact, all of them probably were when the transition took place. The question is, okay, where do you continue? Yeah. You know, so um, I, would, I would assume that the NALC has, has um, moved to forming their own seminaries, too. Um, don't quote me on that, because I, I haven't studied this. Um, but, you know, how do you vet... You know how how do you um, you know how do you ensure that one who graduates from the ELCA is the kind of pastor that the NA they want in the NALC? I mean, you'd have to 
but but this is this is part of the problem because ELCA seminaries are, are quite liberal. Um, in fact, where I was in Wisconsin was about 30 minutes from Dubuque, Iowa, and there was a uh, one of the many ELCA seminaries there is called Wartburg. Now you would think Wartburg Seminary would be fairly conservative theologically. That wasn't the case. Um, and I, I there was a, one of our sister congregations in Dubuque, Iowa, a good faithful congregation, two two men serving them as their pastors, um, and they would tell me accounts of. Um, you know, they would have students that would come in, um, you know, or would visit from the Wartburg Seminary, and they'd be so refreshed because they would actually hear that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not God is a woman, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, so if they're saying that about the Trinity, um, imagine what they're saying concerning the law, the gospel, the teaching of Christ, you know, just on down the line, yeah. So the only thing... I shouldn't say this, but the only thing really holding the Catholics together are this man called the Pope. And they, I mean, I guess they, they believe in God. Yeah. But um, they believe in Jesus. Well, and, and see, that's, that, you know, it. it, it Mary first. Yeah, right. And Mary. Yeah. Yeah, Mary. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think they even placed Mary above Jesus on a number of occasions. Um you know, it, it's really frustrating. Um, sometimes I mentioned I mentioned this that sometimes I'll I'll, I'll listen to uh, oh relevant radio. I think that's what it is. The Catholic station ninety one seven here, and then in Portales they actually have one too. I think it's well. I, I think it's it's just a different channel on the on the FM dial. Um, you remember what dials are, right? Um, but. Uh, but it, it, it's the same thing, and, and sometimes what they say is, is quite decent. Um, in fact, I, I, I did finally watch that video that you sent, um, Charlie, about uh, this priest who, who, and I'm guessing that was during a, a Sunday sermon, yeah. you know, that he preached that. I, I agreed with him, um, you know, with reference to the, what he was addressing, um, but of course you'll, you'll immediately know, note that he did not get the gospel anywhere in there. No, he was you know from you know, the Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Just the message he was given his parishioners. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Today. Right. Right. Yeah. Which, which, you know, honestly, I, I think, you know, you know, you know, that that would have been more um, along the uh, along the proper lines of a speech rather than a sermon. Yeah. Right. But what he said, I, I think, you know, I, I think also this uh, similarly, if some of you might recall, um, oh. Now I can't think of the name. Um, he was uh, he's a Presbyterian. He's now deceased, but years ago, James Kennedy. You know, I, I, I listened to him on occasion, and what he said concerning the issues of the day, I think, were very good. You know, like he would call out sin. Uh, the problem was he was not so clear, of course, on the gospel, right? Um, but uh, but you know, one who is called whether it's a Luther or another, to serve in the church, whether it be, you know, and, and this is, you know, there's going to be differences here too, but one who is called in the church, according to the word, is to preach the word. You know, there's a reason why that term shepherd is used of pastors. Shepherd not only to protect, uh, but also to lead. And to lead where, right? To Christ. 
I mean, you know, that's a simple way of saying it. Um, now, in these other communions, these other fellowships, they have a different idea. Uh, but there is much, I, I think, in the Catholic Church that we, we that we can give thanks for. You know, there is, you know, there is um, the uh, the teaching of the Trinity. Um, there is reference to Christ, but it's more than just referencing Christ. Because, uh, and what I was getting at with this quote, relevant radio, um, at various times during the day, I'll, I'll be listening to it while I'm driving, and they'll say, "Hail Mary, Mother of God, we implore you." And it's like. Okay, I got to switch. <laughs> you know, but but at other times they'll talk about the evils of abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I mean they they will Catholics do use the term vocation I think more than Protestants do. You know, and even maybe more than Lutherans do. Um, and uh, you know, a, a, again it's you know recognizing one's responsibility within one's vocation. Well, how does that come about? You know, by God's word. And you're saying that he didn't use God's word. Who's that? In the, the, the I'm going back to that that um, Catholic pretzel. Pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> pretzel tetzel. Yeah. Tetzel. Yeah. Pretzel theology. You could probably say tetzel the pretzel. I don't know. Tetzel. Um, yeah, he was going by something else. But so. he did talk about the Bible. Say, I mean, he didn't give you the scripture but he talked about what the bible said about um well i think i think like many like many will do today many popular preachers they'll use the text of scripture when it conveniences them when it supports what they want to say you know um and and that's a, a huge issue of course all over you know um and and you know it, it's easy to determine that when they're just so blatantly anti-scriptural you know or you know um you know i'll say this if you're ever reading a material or or listening to anything on tv and they use um you know multiple and by multiple i mean like 10 different translations of the bible um red flags should be going up right away because then that not always but oftentimes they're using the bible um, not as a means of deriving doctrine, but they're using Scripture to support their own position rather than the truth. Um, and and you know so, it, but but what I'm saying is it, it, it's going to be different if someone is laying out okay, this is what different translations say, and then listen to what they say in response to that. Okay, um, because there's there's many who do that, but uh, yeah, with with uh, Tetzel, um, you know, and this is a misnomer too. I think in vocation, who determines what one's vocation is, and how is it to be done? It's not the church. It's not the individual. So um, you know, when it, when it comes to the truth, uh, as well, well, we'll be talking about that a little bit today. Um, but when it comes to the truth, uh, it's not we who decide what the truth is. It's the truth itself uh, that calls out what is to be true. Does that make sense? In other words, we, we, are not, uh, we are not in the driver's seat. We're not the ones who determine what is to be, what is valid, what is not valid. God is, according to his word. You know, so um, I would say Tetzel, the Pope, and, and others, yeah, they were working outside of their vocation um, 
outside of the vocation which is described and um, revealed by God, not by the church. You know, um, so the Pope, does, does the Pope, I mean, here's another question, does the Pope or any clergy member have the right to change scripture, to change teaching, to change what God himself has said? If anyone changes a word of right. what is his Pope. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's look at uh, um, Galatians chapter 1. By the way, it's the North American Lutheran Seminary in Pennsylvania. Just one? Okay. Because we have, uh, the LCMS, as you might be aware, has two seminaries. One in St. Louis, um, and then one in Fort Wayne, St. Louis, Missouri, and one in Fort Wayne. Um, thank you. Indiana. Does it have a name, or is it just... No, that was the name. That was the name? But only Fort Wayne is the theology. Right, you know. <laughs> I've heard that one a number of times, yes. They do have theology at the other one, too. Um, but, uh, Andrew Royce was kidding when he told somebody, well, you came from the non-theological seminary. Yes, yes, yeah. There's a number of good, uh, good pastors from St. Louis. Okay. Galatians chapter 1, and, uh, you know, there, there's some other uh, references, of course, in the study from, uh, from Galatians. But notice, um, we'll start at verse 6, and then go to verse 10, and um, could we start with uh, Wayne Smith, uh, verse 6 of Galatians 1. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. Verse 8. But even if we, even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, you than what we preach to you, let him be accursed. Yes, we have said, before you sell down, I'll say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Accursed. Yeah. For, do, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, Paul actually is writing to the Christians in Galatia at this time. And the Christians in Galatia, you know, are deserting Jesus Christ. They're following a different gospel. Um, now, I, I guess, first of all, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Bible. Okay, yeah, in the broad sense, yes. What about the narrow sense? You've heard those terms before, by the way, right? So Lutherans, um, we, you know, we speak sometimes of a broad sense of a word, you know, how the word is used broadly, but also do we speak of how the word is used narrowly. The gospel in the broad sense does refer to the Bible, the whole word of God. Um, the, uh, you know, the word law can also be used that way, the law of God. 
you know, um, but, uh, you know, in context, we'll, we'll determine this uh, to some degree. But, yeah, so the gospel does include and does refer to the entire word of God, broadly speaking. But narrowly, the gospel is salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, right? Right. Right. And now our sins are forgiven because he was perfect and had no sin. Right. And because he sacrificed himself for us and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's, you know, so um, that's, that's the gospel in the narrow sense. And um, so I, I guess you could say on both counts, right, the, the Christians in Galatia were moving away from that, you know, a, away from God's revelation in Christ Jesus to a different teaching. And, and, and that's why, you know, with reference to the Catholics, why we, why we have issue with the Catholics is because they, dif- they teach actually a different way of salvation than the Bible does. Notice I didn't say than what the Lutherans teach, but what the Bible teaches. Um, by the way, what we teach as Lutherans, if it is any different from the Bible and what it teaches, don't listen to us. Um, because, you know, one is to be a member of a congregation that actually teaches what Scripture teaches. You know, not just a little bit, not just a lot, but entirely. Okay? Um, and some people, you might be aware, get offended of that. Um, and I would hope that, uh, you know, Methodists, Presbyterian, Baptists, others, they themselves would believe that they would teach, that they teach the truth. If they themselves believe that they teach the truth, and we ourselves believe that we teach the truth, why are they different? <laughs> In terms of the teaching, they believe different truths. Yes, yeah, and it, it's more than just uh, you know. Sometimes you'll hear, "Well, they just believe differently." Um, well, yeah, they do believe differently, but why do they believe differently? They add or subtract right from the true word. Right, and of course, we're saying that as Lutherans. How do we know? You study, you you look at Scripture, and okay, what do they say about Scripture? What does this say? You know what? What does the Bible actually say? And yeah, if you look at Christian dogmatics, yeah, our Christian dogmatics. Francis Pieper is the author, by the way. And and then you look at Christian dogmatics by Bratton and yeah, that's the the other. Two yeah, you're you're talking about extremists there, right? <laughs> you open ours and to find the truth of a verse. They quote many other verses. Oh, yeah, yeah. You go to the ELCA, Christian Dogmatics, and they quote philosophers. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's not where I go for right. yeah. the truth of God. Yep, yeah. So, uh, you know, in, in Galatians 1, they were, you know, going away from, you know, the revelation of Jesus Christ, you know, the gospel. Uh, the word broadly speaking, the, the, or the gospel broadly, and also narrowly speaking. Um, and, and notice like that word accursed, um, in the original it's actually anathema. You know, and, and uh, you may or may not be aware of this, another reference to the Reformation, or actually post-Reformation at the Council of Trent, which took place after Luther died. Um, and they, they met off and on for several years after that. Uh, but one of the teachings that they had... Um, in, in one of the, uh, the canons was anathemizing those who actually believe that um, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone without our works. 
they actually anathemized that teaching, which is actually, you know, clearly from Holy Scripture, right? So think of Ephesians 2. You know, by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, so in this that particular canon, they're cursing those who actually believe that we're saved by grace in Christ alone, um, which is problematic. At least a little bit, but actually much more. And, and that, uh, you know, that, that colors everything else influences their entire teaching. The entire sacramental system in the Catholic Church is, is, is set up in such a way that you could um, never get full certainty of God's grace and favor in Jesus Christ, but you're getting there. But it's dependent on you. It's not dependent on the Word. How big is your stack of indulgences? Yeah, well, in, yeah, who do you get it from? And yeah, but I mean, they're still going on, and we hear, you know, and, and it's amazing that, that many Protestants today, uh, because of the, the quote, ecumenical relations, you know, they're still astounded to hear that, uh, you know, and, and kind of put off when they hear that Catholics still have indulgences. You know, has anything, I mean, there have been a few changes in the Catholic Church, but fundamentally, they, they are still what they have been over the years. Um, and they continue to teach, you know, maybe not always explicitly, um, but in the Catholic Church, um, you know, there are still those who, uh, of course, teach Catholic doctrine and Catholic teaching, um, you know, contrary to, uh, you know, what, what some claim as, as to be good Catholics, but don't go to Mass, you know, they uh, um, hold positions quite different and distinctive from the Catholic Church. And the like, um, and and that has to do with vocation too. I mean, we could speak of Christian vocation. One is a Christian, but even as a non-Christian, right? I mean, mom and dad are still to be mom and dad, right? What about you know? We mentioned doctors. We could think of teachers. You know, what do you think a fireman does? Puts out fires, right? Yeah, police officers. You know, they're they're not. Uh, and, and this is this is kind of interesting. Um, can I say one more thing? Um, you know, police officers, what are they called to do? They are called to enforce the law. They are not called to be guidance counselors. Okay, that's all I'll say there. Go ahead. <laughs> Earlier when you were talking about doctors, don't they have to believe in the Hippocratic Oath? I didn't look it up or anything, but if that has something to do with God, I don't see how they can yeah. take that anymore. Yeah, and... and yeah, that, that's, I mean, it's, it's really, yeah, and those who did, I mean, if, if I, I think there are those who do, you know, take the oath, and, um, you know, but it, but it is sad because it, it's not, um, I guess I wouldn't see that as a law, but, you know, we, we have different positions, so like when, when someone is, and, and I hope it takes place, um, you know, I, I, I pray that there's a swearing in soon of a new justice, um, but, uh, um, but but she is going to swear that she will uphold the Constitution and uphold the law and so on and so forth. Um, th- those are important words, you know, and I, I think they're valuable for 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 everyone else to hear as well. And and with the hippo, so I don't know if they do. I would hope they do. Um, but you know, any more in the court of law, I, I think 
there was a transition years ago from you know placing your hand on the Bible to basically, well, what would you like to place your hand on today, or what would you like to you know swear by, you know, uh, well, the Koran, or you know, not me, I wouldn't do that. But you found that I've been on uh, jury duty. Mm-hmm. You stood there with the left arm down and the right hand up. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which which really is um, how should I say, you know, it, it's it's kind of a commentary in our society. You know, um, you know, and, and I would say, you know, whether it's believed or not, like, so, so in the past, I'm not saying that, that all those who place their hand on the Bible actually believe the Bible, but it actually meant something. You know, um, today, for many, you know, I, I honestly don't think it does. That's why we're in the shape we're in now, then. Yeah. No, I, I, would, I would say, yeah, you know, in, in large degree. Um, you know, and, um, you know, perhaps even in the church, too. All right. Um, we're kind of kind of running out of time. I, I know we didn't get that far, but I don't know. We we kind of we, we kind of talked about a number of things. Take this home, and uh, and and read it. Um, I did want to say too uh, before I conclude uh, with the the closing prayer. Um, as of uh, last Wednesday, um, I'm beginning to uh, record these, and then edit and and so on and so forth. I know some people have taken advantage of it already listened, uh, either fully or in part, um, but I'm doing so uh, namely for those who, who are not able to attend, you know, study, um, if you're out of town or sick or whatever, uh, but also uh, I'm thinking this could be a helpful resource uh, for those who do attend who would like, okay, so what did, what was, what did we talk about, you know, kind of by way of review, but also to pass on to friends or family members or whatever, because um, we talked about a lot of different things today. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 one thing to say here, but someone asks a question. So what did, what did he mean by by saying that about the Catholics or about ELCA? I'm more than happy to talk with you or talk with others too about that, as well. Um, and if if anyone has any issues, uh, please let me know. Uh, with reference to that, I'm not. I, I did mention Charlie's name, and I just mentioned it again. I I could cut that out. Um, but uh, again, just as a means of uh, uh, another resource uh, online, um, especially in these days of COVID-19 and travel and media and, and the like. So. Use my name, Frank Dunsalot. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's conclude with the. Uh, I'll, I'll read the reflection and then uh, close with prayer. Um, Luther, in commenting on Galatians 6.2, and I'll just read that, unto all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, or, um, that's not it. Um, really briefly, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Luther explained uh, this, bearing one another's burdens, to love does not mean to wish someone else well, but to bear someone else's burdens, that is to bear what is burdensome to you and what you would rather not bear in helping the neighbor and loving them. Therefore, a Christian must have broad shoulders and husky bones to carry the flesh that is the weakness of the brethren. Managing God's gifts, specifically other people, means loving them and serving them every day, um, serving them in your vocation as you're able and as they have need as well. We pray. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, 
but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.